Hello everyone and welcome back to the Chobo Football Podcast. This week will be the first time we are doing a, a European Weekend Recap. I'm your host, John Marco Cheng, and I'm joined by Mark Kinyanjui. Hi, Mark. How are you? Hi, guys. As usual, it's good to be back. Uh, it's good to continue um, analyzing the game that we all love, and let's hope that we have fun together. Thank you. I'm also joined by Alex. Hi, Alex. How are you? I'm good. I hope you are good too. I'm very well, thank you. And we're also joined by Erastas. Hi, Erastas. How are you doing? I'm very fine. Thanks. Thanks for having me here again. Yeah, welcome back. So um, we'll just go straight into it. Uh, we will start with Tottenham versus Man City on Saturday in the Premier League. Uh, Spurs won two 0 they had four shots compared to City's 22. Wow. Uh, Spurs scored with their two shots on target. City had six on target. City had most of the possession with 66.1% compared to Spurs' 33.9%. City also had an XG of 1.66 against Spurs' 0.76. That result moved Spurs to the top of the league. Uh, City haven't gotten a win in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, of course. Son got his ninth goal of the season, which matches Arsenal now. And Kane with his ninth league assist, which puts him top for goal contributions in Europe's five leagues with 15. Second is Lewandowski with 15. So um, the goals came from Son and Giovanni Loselso. Uh, Erastus, what did you think about the game? I think it was a Mourinho master class again over Pep, and he really held class team here. Mm-hmm. Pep, Pep couldn't find the answers, most of the answers to deal with the to deal with the approach of Mourinho this time. And um, they they definitely could not cope with the Kane Son combination, basically. Which, uh, to be honest, it's perhaps the most lethal combination in the, in the Premier League, alongside uh, Ndombele, who seems to be reformed, and especially Serge Aurier. I think he might be the most improved player under under Jose Mourinho. Don't you think so, Mark? Um. Yeah. I think. I think so. Um. I think there's there's a lot I need to speak about Spurs. I think Spurs generally, Mourinho has sort of like found the perfect balance. He's actually ended up settling on a on a stable starting eleven. Um, and you know, Ori is proving a lot of critics wrong. Um, I personally am was and still am a fan of Orie. I think. Um, his criticism was over the, over the top, and I think he was even offered to AC Milan over the summer. Uh, but um, given that Matt Doherty he was more used to a back three when he was at Wolves, I think he's still having to adapt uh, to the new back four system. That means, for the time being, Oria has to continue being um, the one uh, being given the chance. And when Doherty was given the chance, um, he didn't take it with both hands like Aurier has. Um, I remember against Man United, he actually really impressed me. I think 
um, that game did his confidence a whole world of good, and he's he's constantly be been on the front foot ever since. I think he's getting better and better. Um, I think people. I think he's okay. He's always been superb going forward. Uh, his deliveries are superb, but going back has always been the problem for him. And I think. Um, the system that Jose has put in place, I think it's very reminiscent of of the Chelsea side of 0-4-5. Um, he's gone back from a traditional 4-2-3-1 to going back to a 4-3-3 with, um, you know, Orie, uh, with, sorry, Aldavarald and Eric Dyer have formed sort of like that Terry and Cahill partnership. Um, I think Dyer is finally He's starting to mature as a centre-back because for a long time he was playing as a central midfielder or a defensive midfielder and, uh, and a poach. And then, um, you know, Regulion is continuing to take the, to the Premier League like a duck to water. He's, you know, he's doing everything that is being asked of him. Um, Dombele, I think you've mentioned him. Dombele, I think he's... Um, you know, I think he's finally starting to settle into the league. Um, for a long time... Um, Jose wasn't really favoring him before lockdown uh, and even after lockdown. But for this season, I think um, he's finally showing where he should be starting. For a long time, Spurs were looking for that sort of like ball carrier, someone to bring the ball, um, to, tra- to help transition the ball from midfield uh, and defense to the attack. And I think he's doing that well. Um, for me, he's a sort of like complete midfielder, um, and he's sometimes he's also slotting in into that sort of like um, ten role. Um, he's the one being tasked with drifting between the lines as Sissoko carries the ball as a box box player, and Hoiberg, who's continuing to impress and is showing that he's one of the best defensive midfielders in the league, um, is doing the destructive work. And you know, Kane and Son. Just Kane and so on, you know, the city couldn't cope with that partnership. So, yeah, I think um, Spurs have the perfect balance, and you know, Jose is proving a lot of critics, me included, wrong. Yeah, and um, Alex, do you think they might be potential title contenders alongside Chelsea, of course, and Liverpool? Actually, I underrated Jose. Most, most especially after watching the Everton, the first match of the league against Everton, because mm-hmm. they were flat. The whole team was not performing. There was no, there was no tactics. There was no patterns of play. They were just on the pitch, moving down and forward. But they, they were not even creating chances because they did not even have the ball. But uh, Jose has done, he has done something with the squad. First, he has found a balance in the midfield, which has been a problem for for Spurs since the departure of the great Dembele, Moussa Dembele, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then uh, he brought in Pierre-Emi Oibia, and uh, now he, Sissoko recovered from the bad injury last season. Yeah. I think Sissoko has been brilliant. He even received a call-up for France, last internationals. The, the midfield combination of Sissoko and uh, Hoibia has been brilliant because Hoibia has been sitting back with Sissoko box to box and uh, bringing in Dombele, who is the creative one in the midfield. 
uh, I think everything goes through Dombele at the moment. Uh, and Ken dropping into the mid, uh, picking those passes. They have been brilliant. As much as you say, Oria has improved. He has only started three matches this season, mm. of which it was um, the, against the two Manchester clubs and uh, against West Ham. Against West Ham, he was really poor. Even, yeah. the, even if they, they got the quick goals in the first half against West Ham, but Oria was poor. He has only performed against the Manchester clubs uh, because the two Manchester clubs are... They, the, the Manchester City attacked Tottenham as usual. Uh, but the, prob- uh, the problem, I think, is with Manchester City because this season they have been flat. They are not creating good chances. They, yes, they are creating chances, but they are not creating goal-scoring opportunities like yeah. the, the, what we have been used to in the last two seasons, whereby it's mostly tapping for the striker or the player found by a pass from Kevin De Bruyne, Mares, or even Bernardo Silva. But this season, they have been flat-footed. And when they lose the ball high up the field, you can see spaces all over the their mid or the defense because Cancelo is a, an attacking-minded player playing in the left-back. Kyle Walker has never been the same since World Cup because he, have, he has been making very many mistakes. Yeah. Uh, the, the defense combination of Diaz and Laporte, I think it needs time. It yeah. is a very good combination because the Diaz can read the game and Laporte is just Laporte. is, is just good. Uh, I think it needs time. And uh, to add on, Rodri cannot play as a solo defending mid because Rodri is not rough enough like the way Fernandinho was. Because Rodri has to play alongside, like let's say, like Gundogan. Mm-hmm. Somebody who is, I can say, the brains. Rodri yeah. is more of a distraction, not the brains. That's yeah. why if, when Man City lose the ball high up the field, it's always, you always find spaces because Kevin De Bruyne ain't going to recover. He tried the, the second goal against, uh, the second goal by Los Celso. Kevin De Bruyne tried to recover the space, but it was too much space at the back because Rodri was turned up by Hurricane in the midfield by a single pass from Oibia. I think Man City need have to work on many things because they are really poor, uh, if I may say. I don't think... It is not even like Pep is the coach. There are, some, there are things which are not going right because they are not creating chance, scoring chances and they are not defending. All the matches in the Premier League, there is no match which Man City has won convincingly. They are struggle in every match, even against Sheffield United. But Mourinho, we must congratulate Mourinho because he was, he had tactics. There was a game plan. Everybody, every player, Jose Mourinho player knew his job. And uh, there are no lazy players on the pitch. That's all I can say about Jose Mourinho this season. Yeah, and, um, and I, I'd like to make a comment about Manchester City. Uh, um, you know, they've been far from those two, that great side that won back-to-back titles in 2018 and 2019. But um, I think people need to cut Pep some slack. Uh, the reason I'm saying this is because 
uh, Manchester City have gone through a lot of changes over the last two years, ever since they won um, the title um, at Brighton during the last day of the 2018-19 season. Um, you know, they've had influential captain Vincent Company who's left. Um, they've not had a real leader to sort of like fill his shoes uh, both on and off the pitch. Um, I know that Company wasn't playing every match, but at the same time, his leadership was badly missed even off the pitch. If you, if you didn't get to see that documentary that Amazon made uh, of Man City in 2018, I think you'll go have a look. Um, I think you'll get to see how important Company was. And, um, you know, they also have had injuries to Laporta. Uh, Laporta has had fitness issues. Um, he's only starting to you know, regain his sharpness and his strength to form a partnership with Diaz, who, in my opinion, is going to become a valuable asset to that team, given Diaz is a bond leader. Um, he's very vocal. He, he reads the game well. I think if I'm not wrong, he's actually Portugal vice captain. I don't know. But if not, he's one of the three, four captains in that team. So that goes to show you um, how influential he could be. Um, yes, it's going to take time for him to sort of like fill company shoes, but signs are promising. That partnership of him and Laporte looks promising for the future. Um, they've also had to let go of Leroy Sane, who in as much as wasn't starting a lot of games, used to provide with um, using his natural left foot when he played and then cutting inside on occasions. Um, you know, I think they were missing him. Even if you look at that team from like two years ago, um, after Mendy got injured, Delph stepped in to replace him as an inverted wing back. And Delph, we know, is right-footed. So when he used to cut inside, Sunday will usually start. That means he'd stretch the play. And right now, Manchester City don't have someone to stretch the play. If you look at the left side of, of, of their starting 11, um, you'll find that if not Sterling playing on that left-hand side, occasionally it's going to be Ferran Torres. And both these players are right-footed. That means they prefer cutting inside when they're on that wing. And João Cancelo, in as much as he's very attack-minded and he's more of a right-back than a left-back, is not a natural left-back. That means there isn't a balance in that side. There's no one to stretch the play. That means um, the opposition is very much trying to attack from that side, given there isn't uh, enough balance, you know. Um, so I think they're going to have to replace Sunny at some point, and I think, um, you know, it's going to take time. I think that has to be to be a priority in the January transfer window. And then um, if you look at the backroom staff, the backroom staff, they've had to let go of people like Rodfoldo Borrell. I know he came back eventually. They've had to go let go of influential assistant manager, Mikel Ateta, who's now the manager of Arsenal. So, and, and when I used to read, I used to see that he was the link between the players and the, and the, um, and the manager. Right now, there is a new assistant manager who's quite old. I don't remember the name, but, you know, he, it's going to take time for him to fill those Ateta's shoes. And then, um, speaking about Fernandinho, um, Alex has made a, a good point. Um, Rodri is not and never has been a destructive defensive midfielder. Um, and even 
in his clubs before like Atletico Madrid, he was more used to playing in a double pivot, not in a in a triangle. That means when Foden and even De Bruyne push up in those half spaces or Gundogan, whoever plays in those sort of like half spaces, um, when they're exposed on the turnover and when they're exposed in transitions, Rodri is not there to cover the ground and he's not as athletic as prime Fernandinho was. Fernandinho is now that five or that six years old. He's not the player that he once was. That's why Pepe is trusting him. And Fernandinho and Rodri, in my opinion, I think people need to cut him some slack because he's being played in a position that he's not used to. Um, he's a very similar type of player to, let's say, like Granit Xhaka or even um, Dojino. These players that are more deploying creators that pass the ball well, but they are not athletic type of players. That means the physicality of the Premier League, when they don't have an athletic partner to help them, they're going to get overrun, and that's why you find that they end up getting scapegoated. We've seen Granit Xhaka getting scapegoated by the Arsenal fans, Jorginho by the Chelsea fans, and even Rodri uh, by, the, um, by the Man City fans, because it's inevitable. So I think they need someone destructive, someone like, like a Casemiro, someone like a Thomas Partey, someone like um, Angolo Kante type of player. So I think it's going to take time to adjust to these changes, and that's why I think Pep needs people need to cut Pep some slack. He signed a new contract and a new three-year contract. I think the idea of the first two years is sort of like rebuild and maybe challenge from the second and third year. So yeah, I think the team is well over the top, but at the same time, he's not without fault. They've not been playing like they're used to, but in my opinion, it's probably because of those changes that have had to happen in the last one or two odd years. Yeah, definitely. And they will be hoping to get a better result next, next weekend. They play against Burnley, who actually won their first game of the season up against Crystal Palace. And Spurs, the run of tough fixtures, but fixtures which Mourinho necessarily won't complain about. They'll face Chelsea on Sunday. Now on to the next match. Uh, on Sunday, Leeds nil-nil with Arsenal. Um, Leeds had more shots. They had 25 shots with an astonishing 15 on, in, in the 18-yard in the area. Well, Arsenal had nine shots, five in the, in the penalty area. Uh, Leeds had four shots on target compared to Arsenal's two. They, of course, had the lens share of possession um, before and after the red card. They had 66.3%. Arsenal had 33.7%. And Leeds had the higher XG, 1.96 compared to Arsenal's 0.71. And actually... Here are just a few things which I found fascinating about the game. Um, Arsenal uh, actually rank 68th uh, out of 98 sides in, the, in Europe's top five leagues for XG, behind the likes of Fulham and Levante. And Arsenal have gotten five red cards since Arteta joined, at least two more than any other Premier League club. Bellerin has had four foul throws this season. Like that's something even me as a as a high school player I never had. Um, but Leeds were extremely wasteful. Uh, Bamford, Jafinha, and Rodrigo hit the woodwork, and Dallas drew a fantastic save from Leno. And yeah, 
that was basically it. Uh, Leeds, Leeds dominated the game. They had the better chances, though Arsenal did look better after the Nicola Pepe red card. Uh, on on the counter in transition uh, with the introduction of Bukayo Saka. So um, we will start with you, Alex, before Mark goes on his usual rant. Looking at that match, the match, uh, I can say it was a 50-50 match before the red card because both sides were playing well. Though Arsenal were losing the ball much more times than the Leeds players. And uh, to come to the red card, I think Pepe made a mistake. Yeah. He was not supposed to react that way because obvious Alioski was provoking him. Because it was shown, it was like uh, two minutes before the red card, they had uh, an entanglement in the Arsenal half. Then it pushed forward, then Pepe had batted Alioski. Uh, I think it was a uh, very rough and... Uh, and called for decision from Pepe to Edward Alioski. But Leeds have themselves to blame for the draw, for missing on the two points. Because when Arsenal went down to 10 men, Leeds had more chances, better. They were able to create more chances, better chances, missing hitting on the posts. Most, I think, if Bielsa had changed his system to slow the game down, to let his players have the ball more, to just reduce the pace just for a little bit because the more the pace was going up because the leads were determined to get a goal and the more they tried to to play a fast game, to play into the Arsenal lines, the more they lost the ball. I think if they had just decided to slow the game down and make sure they pick the right passes. They would have opened the Arsenal defense very well because there was no Shaka or and there was no Eleni or Pate to defend. They had a very good chance, which Bamford did the, the post and a super save from Leno. But it should have been a Leeds win. Though Arsenal got a chance to Rubukai Osaka, which I think Melia played a very good role by preventing that, preventing Saka from scoring. Yeah, and uh, for for you, Erastas, what did you think about the game and Leeds' performance? You know, after Pepe was was guarded, it seems like Leeds can play better with 11 men, against 11 men than 10 men, but still could have taken maximum points, striking the woodwork like the likes of Rodrigo, Patrick Bamford, and Rafinha all going close. Arsenal could have still won the game. Okayo Saka could not take the advantage of being put through on one with Milsel or with the lead goalkeeper. It was just another blank for Arsenal, meaning they have now failed to score from open play in their, in their last 476 minutes of Premier League football. I think yeah. Arsenal need to consider now how, how they're going to play. You know, they didn't sign creative players that they wanted, like Jose Mauer, and they need to, like, switch their function so that they can be more attacking. I think Arsenal, now they are, they like, play, they are playing, like, positive football. They are so cautious, cautious and they're not taking advantage. But here, Biesla got classed 
outclassed Arteta and I think they should have picked mass- maximum points. Although during the game, the game could have been draw or a win for Leeds here. That's my take. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, so um, Mark, as the designated Arsenal supporter, uh, what did you think about the game? Um, I don't know, where do I start? <laughs> you know, um, I think there are a lot of problems that the club has at the moment. Um, you know, problems going from the manager himself to the squad itself and to even, uh, you know, the recruitment um, of and the squad balancing in general. Um First, I want to talk about the game uh, before I, I get on to these other issues. We were constantly on the back foot um, from minute one to minute 90. And it was only made even worse by the fact that Pepe got stupidly sent off uh, for something totally unavoidable. Yes, Alyoski um, provoked him. But what Alyoski was doing, he was playing mind games with him. He was looking for a reaction. And Pepe, given he's not been playing football, I think this was only his second start. Um, he's been performing well when he's come on as a substitute on occasions. And in the Europa League, he's played, played really well. He has, I think, two goals and, and two assists, if I'm not wrong, in the Europa League. So, and on international duty, um, he was doing an interview with Canal Plus. I think you even see it on Football Manager, where your players, if you're not playing them enough, um, they start ranting to the public why they aren't getting enough games. So that's what Pepe was doing. I think he was very frustrated he wasn't getting enough games. So um, because we know how these French guys can be, being enigmatic if they are not happy, Pepe was obviously um, unleashing his frustrations through that headbutt. I know he, he could have avoided it if he was playing regularly. But, you know, I think in my opinion, he was trying to prove a point getting sent off. And even after he got sent off, he looked like he couldn't care less. And then what's worse is, and you can find this, I've written about it in the Touchline Maniacs at WordPress.com blog. Um, you can visit it, by the way, if you didn't get to see it. Um, the link will be put in the description. Um, but anyway, I think uh, he, he looked like he couldn't care less. And then Ateta completely threw him under the bus. Um, Ateta clearly doesn't trust him for a reason or another. Um, maybe because he's very left-footed, he can't use his right foot. And even in the game, was tracking back to help Bellerin. Bellerin, of course, has his own issues that I'll speak about. But at the same time, in his defense, Nani and Pepe, Pepe was in tracking back to, to help him. Um, Pepe was our only attacking threat going forward, um, especially when he switched flanks with William. Um, for that cross that he hit, that hit the bar, um, he was our main attacking threat. But defensively, he was in tracking back. You could see his attitude looked back like his head wasn't in the game, uh, probably because he's frustrated because he isn't getting enough minutes. And the fact that Ateta is reportedly putting him available for sale uh, because maybe he isn't his type of player or something. Uh, but um, after we actually started looking better after Pepe got sent off, um, you know, we sort of moved to a sort of like for one, I think for two, two, for four, two, two or something, uh, for four. 
um because it was Obamayang and Saka um as the two front men uh, who were tasked with sort of like being the outballs on the counter and you know Saka had that one brilliant chance um I was surprised at how Messiah managed to save it because Saka showed good agility good balance uh, mm. after he was released um on goal by Bellerin with that brilliant sort of like through pass and then i don't know how messi managed to save it because that was a chance that maybe saka could should have buried on a plate um there is also that one chance that was very debatable um that chance where obamian sort of like uh, was through on goal and then hit the ball and then it sort of like hit i think it was liam cooper if i'm not wrong on his hand um i don't remember who the defender was but it looked like a like a it was very controversial given it was in the box and it should have been a penalty in my opinion i don't know i don't know but um you know that that was another chance that we missed uh i i don't know what you guys think about that chance specifically before i go on to more things about the club um what do you think about that sort of like handball was it a handball or was it not uh wait i i can't remember it was it like a slight tackle then his hand was up or something yeah i think he's 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 he sort of like was on the ground and then the ball hit his arm his arm um and it was clear to the naked eye that it had hit his arm oh yeah actually i think i so i i, I can't remember who i had but uh it did it hit his his leg first or it was um, just as a natural movement like as you tackle I think it was a natural I don't I I I think it was a natural move, moment because he was trying to so sort of like even when the ball hit his arm um his face wasn't looking at it it was looking at at his goalkeeper yeah with the new rules hmm? you see well, the the part of the shoulder until the elbow that one is not being considered is not being considered as handball when it hits that part oh so uh-huh. oh so if it's a bicep it's not a handball yeah, yeah yes ah, oh, oh oh so um you know we were really lucky in the end to sort of like um come out with a draw um i felt really unsatisfied with our performance um i think it's the worst performance i've seen of any as an outside and data since he took over um let alone the villa performance um and it showed how badly we were missing thomas party because jaka and sebayos are not athletic um there's a reason even of late they've been dropped to the bench for party and elneni who were both out injured and elneni was self isolating from covid so um you know we badly missed his their athleticism and that's why we were overrun i think that midfield would have better against a side like this but given circumstances we had to play jaka and sebayos who are not athletic at all and that's why they were overrun um and leads um you know are a very intricate side um they have their specific way of playing football um you know they are very good at you know we we all know what marcelo bielsa is like um they were run over by 
by by Leicester the other day because they were missing Calvin Phillips, who's very integral to their style of play. Um, he's the one who sort of like covers the ground when they're in possession or when they're not in it. Um, and his return to the side really showed. And I was really confused by the way at the fact that so many of their players were had the same sort of like hairstyle. Um, I think it was. Harrison with that hairstyle, Ailing with that hairstyle, um, Phillips with that hairstyle. So a lot of them were like hitting shots. So I, you couldn't really remember or recognize or tell the difference between who and who, you know. But um, speaking about us, you know, I think there are a lot of worrying signs at the moment. Uh, Ateta, I think, is very defense-minded, should I say. I think he's very... I don't want to call him negative. Um, I think... That style of play, I think he's very similar to Simeone. And it's very odd because you'd assume given he learned his trade under Pep, he tried like play some football, but he's not playing for. And even before that game, he looked very scared. I think he had set up the team to be very defensive against Leeds. I think he was very scared to face Leeds. And it's very sad because Leeds United, in as much as are playing attractive brand of football, most of these players, Bielsa is actually getting the best out of them. These are championship standard players at best who are playing um, like five-star players, you know. Um, yeah. Someone like Luke Ailing, who's, who in my opinion is the most underrated player in the Premier League, is that in the league for most progressive passes after Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson. Um, and he's all over the pitch. Um, even if you look at his heat map, it's all over the, the place. And this is actually an, an academy um, flop that we let go because he couldn't make the first team. Um, because he was part of that side that won the FA Youth Cup alongside the, the likes of Jack Wilsh and Francis Cochran in 2009. And he was actually schooling some of our fullbacks like Hector Bellerin. Um, and there are a lot of worrying signs because even if you look at Ateta's signings, um, all of them are defensive. He brought in Pablo Marie, he brought in Cedric, uh, he brought in uh, William, who among our right wingers is the best one defensively. Um, you know, he brought in the likes of Thomas Partey, Gabriel. All these are defensive signings, and it's no coincidence that Arsenal are one of the best defensive sides in the league. I think we are we are the ones that have considered the least amount of goals um, after... Um, I think if we are not the first, we are the second. We've only considered like nine goals all season and three of those came against Aston Villa. Um, so it shows that we've been resolute defensively, but offensively we are, we are, we are, we are not there yet, you know. Um, we are last in the league after Newcastle for progressive passes into the final third. Uh, we lack a player who shows craft on the ball. Um, when you take David Lewis out of this side and maybe even Granny Jaka, um, you know, we, we, are, we are not penetrating passes. As in, we, we, we are not finding a way of like putting passes into the final third, which is worrying really. Um, and I think in the transfer window, I think that has to be our number one priority. We need to look for players who show craft on the ball, players who are imaginative because we clearly lack imagination. Um, we were linked all summer for Jose Moa and then we got away with nothing in the end. So I think Arsenal need to sort of have like options. Um, there's a lot of talk on, on this kid from Salzburg. We were talking about Slobo Sly. Um, I think we need 
alternatives for Sloboslai because I don't think that's a guarantee that we are going to get him, um, given a lot of teams in Europe are after his hotel. Um, I don't know why guys aren't looking at someone like Emiliano Buendi at the moment, um, a mm. player who was impressive for Norwich last season and is back in the championship. I don't know why people aren't looking at him. I think he's very underrated. Um, what do you guys think about someone like Emiliano Buendia? Should big guns in Europe be looking at him um, or what? I, yeah. I personally thought he would be signed by a big team, but mm. he was never signed. I think he, he should be looked at. He's a very, he has potential to play for big clubs, and I think he should be, he should, he should be signed by a top team very soon. Actually, yeah, I think um, that's... Alan, think about him. Yeah. What do you think about Buendia? Why don't you think... Why Why aren't people looking at him? Why don't you think big guns haven't come in for him? Actually, I think he might be just one of those guys who have just gone under the radar. Um, actually, I have a few stats here of him in the championship and he's, he's honestly just making a joke out of it. Uh, in nine appearances, one goal, three assists, 3.2 shots per game, 3.8 key passes per game, 1.1 dribbles per game. And to be and honest, at the age of 20... I don't know why people haven't been looking at players like this from Norwich. Yeah, it uh, it absolutely makes no sense. Um, but hopefully they will make the move. And now on to the final Premier League game, which we'll cover. Liverpool beat Leicester 3-0 uh, with the goals coming from Johnny Evans, Diogo Jota and Roberto Firmino. Um, Liverpool had 24 shots, 19 in the box. Leicester had 12 shots with 7 in the box. Liverpool had 13 on target, Leicester only had four. And Liverpool, they dominated possession 56.4% to Leicester's 43.6%. And they had an XG of 3.77 to Leicester's 1.98. And Liverpool set a new record for being unbeaten at, at Anfield. Well, of course, uh, a new club record, making it 64. And Diogo Jota became the first Liverpool player to score in his first four home matches. And I, I honestly think that uh, Leicester might have, uh, what is it called? Like Brendan Rodgers is having a tough run of luck against Liverpool with his last three matches uh, ending with a combined scoreline of 9-1. And Roberto Firmino now has two league goals at home this season, doubling his tally from last season. So, um, Erastus, what did you think about the game? <laughs> I think Rogers, as usual, was defensive here with the 5-4-1 formation he used. You, you see, Leicester, Leicester was missing three of their three regular starters at the back. Nonetheless, Rogers filled what he believed was competent and capable back five. Johnny Evans, Marshall, the defense. Marshall, the defense as center back well, Christian Fuchs and Wesley Fofana play to the left, respectively. You see, when when 
this shape for 5-4-1 that Rogers used, Liverpool Liverpool could build very well because the 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 strike the striker was very isolated. Vardy as usual, the def- five defense Liverpool Liverpool was able to fill the they had their fluid ro- rotations between the midfield three and the front three made Liverpool, made Liverpool more difficult to mark and close down in receiving the ball. I think Rogers tactical plan here he missed out using the five defenders. Yeah, definitely. And um, Leicester basically tried to target James Milner, but he had an incredible game. Uh, He was able to take care of Harvey Barnes and with his replacement, Pratt, who went on that side. And also James Justin didn't have that good of a game. And actually, here's the weirdest thing which I realized. Uh, Johnny Evans is now officially fourth in on goals in the Premier League. He's only behind uh, Jamie Carragher, Martin Scuttle, and Richard Dunn, of course, who is the master of on goals. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Alex, what did you think about the game? Looking at that match, I was even wondering, everybody was underrating Liverpool because of their injuries, because of their loss of players due to coronavirus like Mohamed. I was looking at at the previous matches between Leicester and Liverpool. When Leicester are being managed by Brendan Rodgers, I, I did not give Leicester even a single chance to of beating Liverpool. And most especially the match was taking place at the Anfield, mm. which even without fans, it is just Anfield. It's a fortress. We have to agree with that. Yeah. Because picking up 169 points out of 170, that's not a joke. Mm. Uh, and a fun fact is that since Sadio Mane joined Liverpool, he has never lost a Premier League match at home. And uh, looking at that match, Liverpool are just better than Leicester in everything. Because um, Klopp he has, has installed, let's say I can say he has installed a winning mentality in every player at the Liverpool club. Yeah. Even if they don't have Van Dijk, Fabinho is playing like the, the Van Dijk of the side right now. Because... I watched the last the last time Fabinho was played as a centre back. It was against Chelsea, and he was able to cope up with the speed of Timoana the whole match, only for the penalty in the second half. And the other against Leicester, he was able to pocket Vardy, even though Vardy never got any chances to run behind the Liverpool defence because he was really isolated by the Liverpool midfield and. Uh, how Liverpool were pressing. They played well. They deserved the win. And uh, I must congratulate Famino for getting that goal because he had a brilliant match. He should yeah. have had two or three. <laughs> Actually, he did the post twice. You've been a big critic of you. So it was, it was good to sort of like get that goal at last. Um, yes. So, um, and he should have scored two, by the way. He should have scored two, by the way. 
Yeah, actually, I can just see here from from who scored. He he hit the hit the woodwork twice. Yeah, in yeah. quick succession. Then yeah, yeah. Uh, Leicester before, had yeah. Yeah, uh, before I finish, uh, the second goal, the Jota goal, mm-hmm. it was a mistake by Michael Brighton. Yeah, yeah. When the, when there was a the cross field to Robertson, Michael Brighton um, decided to play a quick one on Robertson, of which Robertson had seen his intentions and just skipped through uh, past uh, Brighton and picking the uh, deadly cross into the box, which they say he only it only needed a willing runner, in which Jota was there to give him what he was in. intending to to achieve with the cross yeah i i think it was a, an extremely dangerous cross to be honest so um mark yeah. what did you think about um more about leicester's performance than liverpool since to be honest like liverpool they were losing all of their players but this was pretty much the best game of the season so um what did you think about leicester Um I think Leicester um yes on 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 okay I in my opinion I don't think they looked as bad as people are making them look yes they didn't have the best of games yeah. but let's put in mind they were at Anfield um and Rodgers has a really bad record against his former employers um against Jurgen Klopp specifically Um I think um the way he set up the team I know this back three formation has has been working well for them um especially against teams like Man City against teams like Leicester who I mean sorry um Leeds who want play on the front foot uh yeah. but I think for this game um I I I I don't think he should have sort of like gone for that sort of like back three I know injuries are forcing him to set up like that like now for instance Old Brighton is having to play right wing back um simply because Timothy Castagne is injured at the moment and yeah. Timothy Castagne otherwise has had an impressive start to the season um up until his injury uh, but um okay if Leicester had won this game or had at least drawn at home um i think their status as as being title contenders will really have been confirmed um you know i think prior to this game they were top of the league um right now i think they are second or third if i'm not wrong um i think they are they are third or something behind tottenham and chelsea um but i think the way he set up the team um specifically given that Liverpool didn't have a defensive midfielder and out and out defensive midfielder given Fabinho is having to play as a center back I think this would have been a game where they should have played a player that sort of like likes to drift between the lines um so that they don't sort of like isolate Vardy on the counter um Liverpool when they play the way they play they tend to push high up and they tend to get vulnerable with that sort of like high line of theirs um that's how um this team named um that's how this team named via was sort of like constantly getting on 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 the on the front foot against them i think that would have been a game sort of like play someone like madison esque uh, someone to i think that's a game that should have 
the, he should have started someone that likes to drift between the lines. I know the given that they weren't playing a number six. Uh, yes, they still did just at 12 shots um, away at Anfield, but these were unrealistic shots. These were shots that were very out of the box a lot. So that means um, this guy named Alison didn't have a lot of work to do um, other than that one big chance that Burn sort of like hit and then it sort of like, I, I, I think it went up or hit the bar. I don't really remember what happened, but Burns had a big chance and he missed it. And that chance where sort of like James Justin sort of like, sort of like cut in on his right foot and then he shot the ball before um, it went just inches wide. So um, I think this was a game that, you know, Liverpool were constantly on the front foot. Um, you know, I, I think despite the fact that they lost by three goals to Neil, um, it's very difficult going to Anfield and getting away points. So I don't think Leicester City really have to worry so much. Um, all they can do is pick themselves up and try and, you know, get good results. And maybe one thing will lead to another, you never know. 